0: (music) Thank you. hallelujah for some mercy. How about a hallelujah for some grace? Aren't you guys just so thankful that when you woke up this morning, your mercy was brand new. It's a mercy that you've never experienced before. It is just for today, and it is just for you. We've been praying this morning just just for things to shift and never go back, for us to receive and never forget, for us to Encounter the presence of the Lord so powerfully that we are shifted and we are never the same again. That we don't have to worry about receiving something and then letting it fall through our grasp and we're like, oh, remember that one time when I encountered the Lord? No, that you will encounter Him now and forever and you will be shifted. For, for, for just bad beliefs to be broken off, for us to just be never the same, that we have a fresh, a fresh lens, that we have a fresh a fresh touch from him, a fresh uh, revelation of just his absolute overwhelming love for you. Oh, Lord, you are just so good. I was in Psalm 19 this morning. There's like, Psalm 19 is kind of broken up into three little parts. The first is just, oh, the heavens declare the glory of God. When you guys drove to work today, Ever, all the trees all around you, the weird humidity, the mountains, the grass, the, the bugs and, and the flowers, they just all spoke of, of his presence and his glory. They just spoke to you. They declared the glory of God as you were in your on your way here today. And the skies proclaimed the work of his hands. And day after day, they pour out speech. And night after night, they reveal knowledge. They don't use speech, they don't use words, no sounds heard from them, and yet their voice goes throughout the earth. Just, he reveals himself in creation. And the next part is about his word. You guys wanna know something that's refreshing to you? Who's interested in being refreshed? Who's interested in being made wise? Who's interested in giving joy to your heart? Who's interested in your light, your eyes being more lit up? Who's interested in enduring forever? And who is interested in being made righteous? Okay, this is what it is, guys. His laws, his statutes, his precepts, his commands, fear, and his decrees. You guys, that is what refreshes us. People want to talk about God and how he has too many rules and he doesn't want you to have any fun. But this says that his laws and his precepts and his commands and his decrees make you refreshed and wise and give you joy and give you light. And they make you endure forever and they make you righteous. So God, I just ask for for us, in the, the third part of Psalm 19, I almost got a little bit of help myself there, but the third part of Psalm 19 is David just saying, "Lord, search me, look at me. I, t- help me to walk in Your ways, Lord. Help me, help me to live out this what Your Word says—that that they're precious, that they're sweeter than honey. That that by all of these things that we are warned." that we could discern our own errors. God, forgive my hidden faults. Keep me from willful sins that they won't rule over me, that I will be blameless his his glory is just being declared by the earth around you his word refreshes us gives us joy and then we get to decide how much we walk in that and so i just declare over you guys just a freshness of excitement for his word today i pray that you encounter him powerfully and i pray that you fall in love with him deeper than when you walked in the door this morning amen lord you are so good I just thank you, Lord, for everything that you are. You know what? I think I need that thing, and I need a little piece of paper that's on it. We didn't. We're just hanging out over here. Don't pay attention to us. Sorry, Kayla. She's like Jen. Don't do it. What are you doing? <laughs> All right, Lord. I just thank you so much for every single person, and we just ask for every single heart that's here today, that if you would just say one prayer for me today, just point your heart towards the Lord and just say, have your way. Have your way, Lord. I was listening to a Bill Johnson sermon this week, and he was talking about signs, wonders, and miracles and how they are meant to shape your future perception. And so I want to share with you guys an amazing testimony. We love testimonies here. We have a person in our midst who has a family member that had COVID really, really bad. He had a, a fever for nine days before he went to the hospital. When he finally went to the hospital, he got admitted. He had a lung collapse. He had all this stuff wrong with him. He, they induced him into a coma, and they were he was not projected to live. And this is the father of one of our people that we received as a new member this week or this this year and so the hospital called of course he had COVID the whole family had COVID so they couldn't come in and they were like you can call him and say goodbye and we have been praying ever since we found out and me and Ann have been praying recently for just this just felt wrong it felt like a premature like this is not his time and so the church prayed and I just want you to know that Yesterday, they got a call that he um, looks like he has had several weeks of healing and his lung is on the mend and he might get to go home today. Like, you guys, you guys. This is not just a cool story, bro. This is not just a cool story. This is meant to stir you to pray for who you are supposed to be praying for. You are set in the midst of people that you are supposed to pray for. I can't know all your friends. You are supposed to pray for your friends. You are supposed to pray for your family. You are supposed to take those victories, let them work, like expand your faith and cause you to actually change your perception of what you expect. So so I just want to pray for you for this, for just an excitement about praying. And you know what? Sometimes we're going to pray, and they're not going to get healed. But we can't let our experience dictate who we think that God is. We know who he is because this says who he is. And we have to pray with excitement and with with purity of heart and without abandon, without being afraid of what to ask for because he wants to give you everything, okay? You guys, this today is gonna be so good. I'm, I'm gonna ask you just to read your bulletins this week um, if you wanna know what's going on. We got a class coming up. We got a place to donate to Mountain of Mercy, that kind of stuff. Um, if you are... People that are church family, not visitors. If you're church family that partners with us with tithing, you guys know the drill. Six ways to give. Okay. At the end of Robin Millie coming and Millie Rodosti coming and sharing with us, we're going to have another way for you to give. So if you give twice, because some of y'all are generous folks, just put their name on the whatever you put in here or back there. And there's on the church center app, there's a place for a love offering. It's going to go all of it will go to them. I'm not going to take a percent. I'm just joking. I'm not, I'm really not. (laughs) Anyway, um, I've had the honor of going to see these two uh, share out at Mountain of Mercy three days this week. I was only planning on going like one or two days, but I ended up going all three days. And then we had dinner last night, so building a little bit of a relationship. They're just amazing. I'm so excited about what they have to impart for you. And I have been asking you guys to invite your friends, and I can see that you have. So I just want to say thank you to every single person that invited your friends. Um, it's going to be super-duper fun. I think I'm just going to hand it over to you so you guys have lots of time to talk. So Rob and Millie Rodosti, I'm going to let them introduce themselves um, Come on up, guys. Give them a big round of applause. You guys are rowdy today. It's good.
1: Hey. Hey. Uh, Was it the the camera? camera? (laughs) (laughs) What's up, NorCal? (laughs) I just figured if I can be closer to everybody, I'll have the table down there, but if it'll mess the camera up, it's totally fine. How's everybody doing? This is our first time, um, well, okay, together in Northern California, and it's only my second time in Northern California. I hear God's doing good things up here, so I had to come check it out for myself, and and it's such a different world from Southern California, like, wow, yeah, it's like a whole nother country up here. I love it. I like it a lot up here. Um, Me and my wife are currently based in Arizona. That was not my my choice. That was all God right there, because I'd be somewhere like this if it was up to me. Like, cool weather, green trees and grass. That's always good to have. Test it. Ah, Ooh. okay, there it is. Um, we were out in South Carolina planning a church for two years, and before that we were in Las Vegas planning a revival center for, I don't know, four or five years. And before that we were in Alaska for four years as missionaries. So uh, all our five children are with us, and each of them were born in different states. And so it's kind of cool that they get to see, you know, the, uh, the nation. So thank you for receiving us. And I want to call my wife Millie up. They call her the dread mama, the dreaded mama, because she's got five kids and she has dreadlocks. And um, uh, she wants to share with you guys for a little bit, and then I'm going to share with you guys for a little bit. And we'll kind of tag team and just see how the Holy Spirit wants to, uh, you know, flow this morning. What do you guys think? Is that cool? I like to just flow in the Holy Ghost. So Millie Joy Redosti, everybody.
2: usually don't speak at the exact same time so we we do well with sharing a mic so (laughs) it is an honor to be here thank you so much for having us we feel like we've just walked right into family and i have to say that um, when I'm up here, I like to just start off with a warning and uh, just so you know that I am not like a professional minister, although I am ordained, um, this wasn't like where I got extensive training. What happened was God did something crazy in my life and then I didn't know what else to do but to just tell everyone about it. And so I, wanted, I want you to know that the unlikely are going to be called and so long as there's people in the streets, there's gonna be people called to ministry who have testimonies, who have stories who have more than just read about experiences but have lived through experience and I want you to know that if you're sitting here and you're hearing my story that it is not um, like where you can relate and then that's it you know uh, we were we just read through the whole bible our church group online and through the bible you know what's crazy is that Paul had experiences with Jesus and you know what his whole ministry consisted of his testimony, literally everywhere he went, he spoke what God did for him, and so I want to say that he was very unlikely. He even calls himself that. Like I was the most unlikely person to be in the position I am, and that's how I feel. I'm I'm the most unlikely person to be in the position I am. But as long as there's people suffering, there's people in the streets, there's people that are going to be touched by the power of God. There's going to be people that are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ that d- that didn't come from seminaries, and in, and there's nothing wrong with seminaries because I've been to Bible school since, and I love that stuff, but it's not the qualification that you need to speak on what God is doing in your life, right? You can go today, whatever you walked in here with, you don't have to walk out of here with, but what you can walk out of here with is a testimony of what God did for your life. And I'm telling you, it can happen in one moment. You can walk in here with stuff, and you can walk out with a testimony. And I encourage you that what God does in your life, do not be quiet about. Go tell everyone, okay? And so... I'm here to tell you how m- I'm very unlikely to be here talking to you right now. I never thought I would be the one talking. I thought maybe after I became a Christian that I'd marry someone who would do it, but that I would g- take a microphone and preach. Like I'm just a woman and I've been to mental institutions and I've been crazy and I've been all these things. Like why would I have a microphone talking to you? It's because God's calling the unlikely to the forefront of the church to minister his goodness and his power with signs, wonders and miracles following and joy, joy the it, is our motivation and so when i was just a a a young person uh domestic violence reared its ugly head into my life and so um what happened was my aunt was murdered by her husband And that set the stage for my entire life because whenever my father would become abusive to us, we believed the reality of it, right? It became very real to us. And so my mom, unlike my my aunt who tried to leave and then ended up, that was the end of her life, my mom stayed. My mom stayed in the abuse. So we grew up with a lot of abuse. And a lot of times people ask, why do women stay in those situations? And I'm here to tell you right now, it's because if you haven't been there, you don't know the psychological games that it plays on your mind, right? You, You don't know which is the right way and you're just trying to do the best with what you have and that is my story that's how I grew up we weren't allowed to say things like I'm hungry and we we had all these special rules like like if my father was standing we had to sit for him to talk to us and if we were he was sitting we had to sit on the floor for him to talk to us we were sent home from school for smelling like urine and having lice and just being filthy and um it was a really, really hard to grow up like that. I always felt like something was wrong with me., uh, it was like this inner knowing, and it's one of those things that if you if you know you know, <laughs> that's the new thing that everyone's saying. What's the acronym i k y? something. If you know, you know. It's an acronym for that. <laughs> and so it's the cool thing to say. But it's literally, when I say some of these things, it's like I, I look through and I could see people shaking their heads like, oh yeah, I identify. I know what you're talking about. Because there's people that just look and be like, I can't imagine. But some of you know, there's this inner knowing that where the enemy speaks to you from a young age and says, there's something wrong with me. There's something not right. And it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So you, s- all he has to do is plant the seed in you and you start repeating that over your own life. And then you start seeing the fruit of it in your life. And so that's how, how I grew up thinking something's wrong with me at a young age. By the age of seven, I remember thinking I didn't want to live anymore. I mean, that young. And I remember holding my breath so that life would come out of me because I just didn't know enough about what suicide was or what death was. I just knew that I didn't want to live with the pain I was living with. So I'd hold my breath and cry at night hoping that I my body would just... <laughs> ceased to exist, but at the same time, at a very young age, I had supernatural encounters, too, so I knew that there was a God. I just didn't know much about it. I remember getting a Bible from under my coffee table with tons of beer cans and and everything covering it, and I opened it up, and I remember I was just too young to read King James' version that well, (laughs) and so I remember looking at the words and even red letters and all these things and thinking, wow, there's like, I could feel power from these words, but I couldn't even read them yet. And I knew, I knew there was like a power. It was like a holiness and a purity. And I thought, even in my young age, I thought, can anyone really live this? This is crazy. This is, This is amazing, but I never felt like I would measure up to that. And so I went and uh, I would go to my room and pray to see angels. So at the same time, like even from a young age, I had this battle between knowing the power and the supernatural, but feeling not good enough for it, feeling unworthy to attain such a level that I could live by this. Uh, So I became obsessed with death, as you know. Um, When I was very young, I I would try and hold my breath so that I wouldn't live. By the time I was 13, I started writing poems about suicide and death and and just being obsessed with all this. And and I'm sorry, I know these are some trigger warnings, so I should have said that first. There are some trigger warnings. Like uh, I try not to go into too much detail, but I do have a book, um, Daddy Issues, A New Life, and I I wrote it like that on purpose, Daddy Issues. A lot of people say Daddy Issues. I'm like, that's not where it ends. Daddy issues a new life. He issued me a new life. So it's not like where you're stuck in daddy issues forever, but he gives you a new life. He issues you a new life, and that's what he did for me. And so if you want to know more detail, there is more detail in my book. But when I speak, I try to keep it pretty tame and uh, but give enough uh, information so you get the full picture of my story. And so by the time I was 14, I, I got really into self-injury, and I would um, – know I, I don't even want to go into too much detail about that but self-injury even that looks different uh, even some of you might have gone through it in older years and it looks like alcoholism or drug abuse or things like that but in younger years it looks like you know different kinds of self-injury and um, I wish I, I, w- I went along, school was my outlet. So in the midst of feeling like I just didn't want to live and being obsessed with death and self-injury and all these things, I would go to school and I'd achieve everything. I went, you know, from being in special needs classes when I was young to being in AP, advanced placement courses for college credits. By the time I was a junior, I worked really hard. I was in varsity soccer, varsity softball. I was going to be thespian of the year for my, um, drama club and then I was also in, in drum majorette and, and bands and I played the flute and I just loved, I loved my school. I loved achieving things and working hard. It's always been the kind of person I am and it's been a, a sense of relief for me. So when I was a junior in high school and I was getting into student government and all these things, I had my whole senior year planned out. My parents came to me and said, your brother is getting bullied really bad, we have to move. And I thought, oh man, So so we decided, that we would move, but just before then, I had made some friends that were um, older than me, and I would always follow them around, and this was part of my school adventure. (laughs) So I would follow these seniors around, and they invited me to their church, So they invited me to their church and and took me in as friends and everything else. And I remember that one of the things that they said about the church service they invited me to was that there'd be food. And I was like, oh, I'm totally there. You know, (laughs) there's food. (laughs) So just a little evangelism hint for anyone who wants to bring people in the church. Food, okay. <laughs> Food works. <laughs> so I went, and I remember that I had all these clothing that didn't like fit me appropriately because I um, we g- got tons of hand-me-downs. I'm going to tell you, thrifting is cool now, and I love it. But back in the day, when th- when it you feel like it's all you have access to, it can kind of put a shame on you. I don't think there's any shame in thrifting. I find the coolest things in thrift shops now. But as a child, I remember feeling so much guilt, um, thinking like I was on the free lunch program. And I would get uh, everything that I owned handed to me, used. And I just remember feeling like the stigma of it. And I remember one of the times that my family was like, uh, we're running out of food, we literally, we've used all the food pantries in the area, we can't go back to any of them, we're just done. And I remember going back that Friday um, to school and eating my last free meal thinking, am I gonna live till Monday? And uh, that's just kind of like the stigma and the shame that was hanging over me. So to have this kind of um, couple people that believed in me who were seniors in high school and invited me to their church, and then they said there's food. I'm like, I'm totally there. So I I went home, and I got this skort. I don't know if anyone remembers what skorts are right? (laughs) So they're like shorts. They're super cool. I'm aging myself by talking about this, but they have like a little flap in the front, so they look like a skirt. So I wore these, but they were a little too small for me because, you know, when you get things handed to you all the time, you're constantly growing and you're growing out of clothes and everything else. And so I put this skirt on that was a little too small. And then I used my mother's shoes and then this unmatching shirt, and I walked in, and I remember feeling like I'm trying to look good for church, guys. Apparently, I'm going to church, so you have to look good. You have to be the certain kind of person, right? So let's see if I make it in, you know? And I walked in, and there's these beautiful women that just love their families and cook, and, and they have these um, skirts down to their ankles, <laughs> just like the one I'm wearing, actually. And, <laughs> and then they have these head coverings and everything else. And I wouldn't have known that I was any different. I wouldn't have known that I looked any different because they just embraced me. They just w- welcomed me in when I walked in the doors. And I remember that um, they were raffling off a WOW Worship 99 <laughs> and, oh, my goodness, no one's going to know how old I am for sure. <laughs> and, and, then <laughs> and then they raffled off a Bible. And so I, of course, put my name in the raffle, but I was like one out of two or maybe the only one that came to the evangelistic service that night. <laughs> and uh, they did uh, the whole sermon. I listened to the whole thing. Um, and I had been in and out of Catholic Church as a child, so I knew about Jesus. I knew about Jesus. I was just taught, um, and nothing against the Catholic Church, I was just taught that that like I, I couldn't understand it on my own, the Bible. So I had to go through somebody. And so this was the first time that people were t- telling me I could know about Jesus personally, and I could read the Bible and all these things. And so I remember that they did this altar call at the end, and they were like, you know, praying these prayers and all these things I was just like, okay, cool, this is so different you know and I remember feeling the tangible warmth of God embrace me and and wrap his arms around me and I remember thinking, wow, like this is the love of a father. And so they were like, this is Jesus from the pulpit. You know, they're like, give your life to Jesus and started explaining about giving your life to Jesus. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. Like this is definitely real. Like I'm actually, um, you know how I know it's real is because I'm experiencing it. I'm not just hearing about it. I'm not just thinking about it or being taught about it, but I can feel the presence of God right now. And so I gave my life to Jesus that day. And so that was uh, just a beautiful time in my life where I just, Oh, by the way, I did win the WOW well, Worship CD, and I did win the Bible, so <laughs> I would go <laughs> Y'all clap for me winning the contest, but i me giving my life to Jesus. Come on now. <laughs> you guys are just so happy for me. I love it. So I went home, and I, I worshiped every day just like they did in the church. Like I just did what what they did in the church so i put my headphones on and put the cd on and i just raised my hands and sing to jesus and my family thought i was absolutely nuts they were just like "No, you know what are you doing you know and so uh by the time i had gotten water baptized they had all come and i wish i could say that the day that i became a christian was the day everything got better that's it story over have a nice day let's enjoy lunch nope That's not where it ended for me. And I remember thinking that day that um, I believed, I I formed this belief that because I felt the tangible presence of God that nothing bad would ever happen to me ever again. That is not true. I'm here to tell you that that is not true, that just because you love Jesus and just because he loves us and he sacrificed everything for us does not mean that in the world we won't have trouble. Quite the opposite. Actually, John 16, Jesus says that in this world you will have trouble, and I tell you this so that you have peace. This is the motivation behind it, our peace, that in him He has overcome the world. So, as long as we're walking in Him, it's not that bad things are not going to happen to us. It's that no matter what does happen to us, we're going to have the ability to overcome it because He has overcome it. And we have the ability to walk in peace and joy. For the joy set before Him that led Him to the cross, we have access to that same joy. Okay? And so, yes. My, my, I, I jumped around a little bit. My, my brother was getting bullied, so I'd worked for all these things. I'd really gotten ingrained in the church, and then my family said, we have to move. So we moved. I moved to Pennsylvania, and when I moved, someone on the way out said, your name, you, you remind me of a Millie. So I said, I'm going to tell everyone my name's Millie. And so to this day, I'm still Millie, but I did. I, I went at 16. I cut my hair off. I reinvented myself. I went by Millie. My original name was Maureen. And so I, I just reinvented myself, but I lost everything. I went from a small high school campus to a huge one. I lost all my friends. I lost everything I'd ever worked for. And I just really had a hard time. So I went to my mother and I said, we need to find a church. We need to find a church. She agreed. So we found a church about 30 minutes away, which in Pennsylvania was really close. And (laughs) so I started diving in. I became a missionette, which I know some of y'all are going to understand. And I loved it. I loved my church. But there was someone that I got involved in, in, in trying to get help from because they could see the abuse, like, all over my family. And they were trying to help me with a certain program that was not connected to the Assemblies of God at all. It was just a separate thing. But they started trying to help me, and it just became a very codependent, unhealthy relationship. And in that, um, I got really, really, I put her in the place of Jesus in my life. And it came to the point where all of the things that I had gone through, the trauma that I had gone through, started coming to the surface, and I started becoming desperate, and I ended up on. Porch at like three in the morning, I was 17 years old, I just was like feeling like I was gonna die. And she said, if you don't leave, I have to call the cops. I'm like, call the cops, I just want help. And she called the cops and then I ended up in my first mental health institution. And So by this time, I was already gone through a little bit of college, and I had to drop out, and I'd lost all of that. But I remember when I walked into the institution, no matter what, like I knew what God had already done for me, and I had known the unconditional love of God, but I hadn't known his power yet. And I knew I needed healing. I knew I needed healing. But in the same token, that the, the church that I got saved in, I would walk back home and walk back into my abuse, right? And so these are things that are like hard to talk about, right? So uh, I had a lot of residue from that. I ended up going into several mental health institutions after that. I remember the first time I walked uh, into an institution, I looked down the halls and every scary movie I ever saw just flashed through my mind. I saw twins down the hall and lights flickering and none of that was real, okay? But in my mind, I was like, this is where crazy people go, right? Because of how Hollywood puts it but the truth is, is that these programs are built to help bring people to homeostasis or, or a way to stay equal so that they can get better not it's not supposed to be some scary stigmatized thing And so with that, uh, I I went in and out of institutions. I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, all the depression with suicidal tendencies, eating disorders, anything you could think of pretty much um, that I had been in and out of institutions. I had been on a ton of medications, and I just came to the end of myself at one point. I said, God, if there's a reason for my life, you have to show me. I ended up in a homeless shelter. I ended up living in a group home. I ended up living uh, in partial hospitalization programs outside of the hospital so it would be 40 hours a week intense therapies non-stop um, whenever I wasn't being institutionalized and I just felt like I was like I know I know you have a plan, I just don't know what it was. And uh, God, if you have a purpose for my life, I really, really need to know. And I was at the end of myself, ended up with a final suicide attempt. I I took a whole bottle of pills and uh, I had passed out. The next day I wake up on my couch, my friends come to me and they said, hey, did you know that like what happened? Like you just passed out, what happened? And then I I said, okay, well I'll tell you since you found me and, and helped me. But don't tell anybody. And what happens when you tell someone not to tell anybody? They tell everybody, right? And you can read that. For those of you who read your Bibles, you know that even Jesus did that. He said, don't tell anybody. And what they do? They told people, right? It was like a marketing strategy almost. Like whatever you don't want people to know. Tell, tell them don't tell anybody, right? And so my friends, they went and told the nurse, and the nurse brought me in, and I didn't lie to her, I told her the truth. They brought me into the hospital, did the psych evaluation, took my blood, did all of that. And you know, there's a lot of waiting when you're waiting to get into an institution. Um, and they were going to admit me because by my own admission I, I w- of what I've done. And they came t- back to me and they said, not even the normal dose of your medication is in your bloodstream. Like, they they didn't know what to believe. I had the witnesses. I had the bottle. It was just, I knew what it was. It was a miracle. God was speaking to my life. God was saying, guess what? There's a purpose for your life. I'm answering your prayer. And from that day on, I knew that God had a reason for me to be here. And so I count that as the day I actually died. So that was my new creation day. So then I... I I was still in these programs and I decided at that point that I was just going to make, I was going to cooperate. I was just going to do what I needed to do. And some of you who have been through programs know, know what that is, you know, like is there's a point where you're fighting it and then you're like, okay, I'll I'll cooperate. And that's what happened. I I decided I was going to cooperate. I met this missionary guy. Um, his mother would always, I w- in the church, because I'd always gone to church. Like, I was always committed to going to church no matter what I was going through. Hey. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have my professional photographer here, so just don't, don't mind him. Uh, so, w- <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you. Uh, so I decided to cooperate, and I decided, t- and then I went to the church that I always gone to, and I met this woman who would tell me about her missionary son, which I had no interest in knowing because I thought missionaries were just like really religious people with their hair parted to the side. No offense to anyone who parts their hair to the side, <laughs> but <laughs> but who wears suits and, and ties and briefcases in other countries with sand blowing in the distance, and uh, that's, that's all I could think about with missionaries. I just did not think that I want had a lot in common with this person. And so finally he came off the mission field, visited our church, and the first message, so he walks in with a mohawk and like gauges, and I was like, What? What in the world? It's like, who who dresses like this and calls themselves a minister? Like, don't you have to look a certain way, you know? Isn't that a requirement or something? And so I sat through and I took notes. I always took notes in my, in when I was sitting in church. And he, uh, his first sermon was about marriage and how God uses marriage to make you more like Jesus. I was like, that's pretty bold for someone not married to preach about. <laughs> so <laughs> I sat there taking notes, but that was the first sermon I ever heard of this missionary guy. And I went up to him and uh, we started connecting over music. Uh, and, and he, we went out uh, to eat a meal and he said, you know, I think God has better for you than these ruts to be stuck in, and and I, I was like, no, if I come off these meds, if I come out of these programs, I I won't make it. You know, I'll, I'll just die. You know, and this is what I've been told. This is what I've been taught. How my brain's been wired. All these things. You know, and he's like, I believe God can set you free. So we prayed, and when we prayed, I was able to come off my meds, graduate my partial program, and marry the guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. <laughs> so he he got to see the completion of my healing, and together we had five kids and went into ministry, and God is good, right? So, <laughs> amen. Amen. So, I guess I can go into a little bit more, but I want to have time for Rob to speak. So, I don't know if you're ready to come up yet, but... Um, I'll just leave it there. So I'll let the missionary who stepped in and got to see me through my healing, and now we go together all over the world and help pray for others to receive their healing too. Come on.
1: So, all you young bachelors, the mental institution is where it's at, my brothers. Let me tell you something right now. I'm just messing with you, but really, God just does amazing things, and I remember the doctors had told her, that she wouldn't be able to have children. The Holy Ghost determined that was a lie. <laughs> we were actually missionaries in South America. We were in Brazil um, at the time. We'd been trying to have children for a while. and. Um we, like, I, I know that there's more to the story, but we just have one Sunday morning. So at another point, we'll be able to get you a little bit more, but I'll talk to you about our books and stuff in a minute. But we were missionaries in Brazil at the time, and we were kind of fed up with the fact that we couldn't, like, that she wasn't getting pregnant. And so we really began petitioning the Lord. And Uh, We got pregnant with our first child on the mission field, and it was just like one thing after the other. You know, when when you come out of darkness, man, the enemy's not happy about it, right? And so while she was pregnant with our first child, she got bit by a brown recluse, like a Brazilian brown recluse, and it was just miracle after miracle. We ended up in the hospital, and the poison, they said, this is what they told us at the hospital, they said the poison had stopped halfway up her arm, and didn't go any further, and they had no explanation for it. So it was just like one thing after the other. And then um, when we moved to Las Vegas to start working on this revival center, our firstborn was diagnosed with high-risk leukemia at four, almost died. Uh, We were on a -a four-and-a-half-year journey uh, with that, and now he's been completely cancer-free for years. Thank you, Jesus. He's here. You'll get to meet him. And so, you know, this is not just fluff. This is like real, authentic God stuff, you know? God uses people. He uses medicine. He uses, but he, he has his way. And when things happen, you know, like you end up in an institution or Lazarus dies or whatever, Jesus says, no, this will be for the glory of God. Amen? This will be for the glory of God. And so <clears throat> I'm not going to share my whole testimony in detail with you. I'll share a couple points, but the entire thing in a lot of detail is here. This is my autobiography. It's called "And he Unleashed me to the world from the depths of darkness to a date with redemption. This is a, a brand new version. It's 50 pages beefed up, so this one just came out. So we've got these available at the back. And I don't like dedicate a whole lot of time to the Satanist stuff and the occult stuff. That's what I came out of. I do talk about it, but it has a, the whole journey of like, you know, once I came to know Jesus, Uh, walking that journey and the bumps along the way and maturing and, you know, like, it's very, very raw. And so um, that is a great resource. My wife's book that she talked about is called Daddy Issues a New Life, and uh, we've got it here. We have these available at the back, and it again, it's a really good evangelism tool. You know, if you know anybody that's struggling with, with mental illness or anything like that, you definitely, everybody knows somebody that is struggling with that, usually within their family and you know hide it under their pillow play, they'll find it at the right time. We've heard crazy testimonies about things like that. I've had like mothers of like satanist kids come and say, I bought your book. I hid it I hid it under their pillow or I put it in their closet and like a year later they found it and prayed and received Jesus right in the closet when they you know like I've heard it's just crazy like so and so you know I encourage you guys write your own book cuz you never know where it's going to go. Amen. Um my wife has – this is actually rare. We don't usually have these on hand. I think I have two or three left. It's called Let's Get Shift Done, Manifesting Your Destiny with a Sound Mind. This is Millie's second book, and um, it's all about developing a value system, being a, a strong leader, discovering your passion, shedding the victim mentality. It's kind of almost like a, uh, a mentorship book from the, the, the right side of the cross. You know, like it's, it's very unique. So we have those available. And then this is my brand new one, Happy Holiness, The Rise of Redemptive Reformers. And that is why we are um, traveling the country as a seven-member family on the Happy Holiness Tour. And uh, so I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about this one. And my favorite question, and I've done some TV shows and radio interviews and stuff with this, and I always get the same question, and it's this, is Happy Holiness an oxymoron? How can you be happy and holy, you know? And it's, so, it's just sad that that is the question, but it's okay. It's good to ask the questions. It's just sad that we got to that place, you know? Now, maybe you don't have a testimony like Millie's or mine, and I'll talk about mine a, a tiny bit here in a minute. And I want to just encourage you, one of the number one lies that I, because I've spoken in thousands and thousands of churches in 60 countries, one of the number one lies that i always hear that people believe is that i don't have a testimony so you guys know that let's say there's people from mountain of mercy here and you're like well they have a testimony but i don't i've been in church since i was three you know that's a testimony i don't know if you realize that or not but you know sometimes people come to me and they're like well do i have to like maybe i should go off in the world and like get addicted to drugs and become a satanist and then get saved again so that i have a cool testimony no No, 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 you definitely do not have to do that. There's people that come to me, and they're like, you know, "Ah, I said the sinner's prayer when I was three, and, like, I've never even, like, smoked pot, and I'm just like, that's a testimony. (laughs) I don't know if you realize it or not, but, like, God has kept you, and you carry the testimony of Jesus. So whether you have a testimony like mine or Millie's or these guys or, like, one that I just talked about, don't believe the lie that you don't have a testimony, Okay, that's the first thing that I just feel like that's on Holy Spirit's heart right now, that the Holy Spirit wanted me to say that. And so, Lord, if there's anybody in here that's believing that lie, we break that lie off of them in Jesus' name. Right now, we break that lie off of them. Now, if you you feel like you don't have a testimony, and you feel like, well, I've just kind of always been like good, praise God for that. You have been set apart, and you find the joy in living set apart and being empowered to be set apart. And there's others that maybe came from things in the world that you didn't, and they feel like, you know, how will I find that joy again? And now joy has to be redefined for them. You know, it's not going to be the same thing. But what I've learned is uh, in 14 years of full-time ministry, but really 20 years of preaching and studying Greek and Hebrew and going to the Bible places and just seeing how people interact with God, you know, all over the world, what I've learned is that if we are not releasing you know, the ecstasy of God's presence right here within these four walls first and then letting it seep out, then people are going to be settling for the ecstasy they can buy on the streets in Eureka. And if we're not releasing the pleasure of God in this house, they're going to settle for pleasures that are only temporary and that are not going to satisfy. And there is an unfortunate connection between holiness and legalism. And people think no fun boring, dusty pews, you know, and that's not what it is at all, and so I've been on this journey for the last few years to help equip God's people in really living set apart, but not doing it to like earn brownie points with God or something, but actually discovering the joy of living holy and set apart, because in Christ, that's who you really are. Right I don't care if you like you say, well, I, I am addicted to pills right now, yeah, but in Christ, that is not your portion. And so I like to begin to I like to speak truth into people, and you know, I was a devil worshiper for years. It, it didn't start out that way. I was actually raised in strict legalism, seventh-day Adventism, but it was very, very, very strict, and so it was all about the laws, keeping the laws, and I was scared of God because I was like if I don't if I mess up, or if I don't keep the law the right way, God's going to get me. He's going to be mad. But I was also really scared of the devil. So where do you go when you're really scared of the devil and you're really scared of God? You know what I'm saying? Perfect love casts out all fear. So if we're really in relationship with him, his perfect love is going to cast out that fear of punishment because we're being likened more and more into his image. Amen. And so... Uh, I was really confused. And religion, like this, the spirit of dead religion, it does a good job at painting God as a monster that's not much different than the devil. You know what I mean? And so we have to rediscover. And that's what Reformation is all about. We were talking about Reformation yesterday, you know, at dinner. And uh, it's kind of a buzzword right now. But that's because I know in 2017 the Lord began speaking to me about Reformation. And I didn't even know what it was. I was like, Reformation? I was just revival, revival. Revival. Reformation? That's a whole other thing. After this is probably coming Renaissance, and who knows what's after that? Come on. But, um, you know, I grew up in strict legalism. My family fell apart when I was 10. My dad was a pastor. uh, He was a lay pastor in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, which is like a volunteer pastor, but at the same time, he was living a double life for a few years. We didn't know when we found out. It was really messy, really yucky. The whole family fell apart. And of course, naturally, you know, I'm I'm angry at God. I mean, that's just where all my anger got pointed is in that direction. And so I was angry at God. I was angry at myself. I felt like I wasn't a good enough son to keep my family together. But at some point, that, that anger just got pointed at God. Attempted suicide, became an alcoholic at 13. Uh, I could go on and on, but it just was a full downward spiral. I was introduced to um, Satanism at some point then witchcraft, and then it kind of went through these different, you know, ways that I was just kind of searching for. I wanted to feel powerful, I think, is really what, what, the, what the quest was all about, because um, I felt like a victim. I felt victimized, you know, with my family falling apart, and as a child, and being taught, you know, well, Jesus, like, you know, God parted the Red Sea, and Jesus healed the blind guy, but I never saw anything like that happening in real life, so it was just fairy tales, really, to me. And when the rubber hit the road, it was like, "Well, how come God's not parting the Red Sea here? Then? How come he's not healing my dad's blindness? How come nothing's happening? How come he's not good? Like I thought he was supposed to be good. And so I think the witchcraft and all that it made me feel powerful. It made me feel like I had something to live for, and like I didn't have to be a victim to things around me for a time, of course. And um, that ended up leading into Satan worship, which is a whole nother Thing. So there's a lot of different levels of all that. I'm not going to get into all that. But it was right when I probably, maybe not even a few months, after I got into the devil worship, I was about, I was 17. Um, I was living with this this high-level witch, and her whole family was full of witches. And, you know, they were, like, teaching me all the stuff that they knew. And then I was hanging out with these people that believed that they were vampires and werewolves. And it was just totally nuts. There were times, honestly, that I, I can just – I, I remember stopping and just thinking, like, "What am I doing? These people are crazy," you know. But, 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 but I liked the shock. I think I liked the shock value of it. You know what I'm saying? Because it made me feel like somebody. I think is really where it was going, and uh, and the stuff was real. I mean, we would do coven's, and we would have we would invite unbelievers to all these things, and they would always like. our our conversion rate was like 95 percent, man. Like almost everybody would convert to this stuff, whatever we were doing, because they would see something they would experience you know experience something, they would feel something, and uh, the, whether it was Ouija boards or, or or whatever it was, you know they would usually convert, so that made me feel like, oh wow, I actually am like powerful in some way or something like that, but it just kept leading to more of a downward spiral, more alcoholism, uh, more suicide attempts, and I ended up having a near death experience Halloween night, the year 2000 and um, <laughs> You know, of course, in that, I was like, oh, God, if you're real, don't let me die. I'll serve you forever. And then, you know, I didn't die, and then I went on and just pretended like it never happened and forgot about it, of course. And then uh, June 29th, so we're coming up on 20 years next week or the week after. June 29th, 2001, I had some, I don't, <laughs> I wish I had time to tell the whole story, but I just don't, but that's why I have the books here, right? Um I was, uh, I was, I went to a Christian music festival to convert as many Christians as I could to the devil, <laughs> and I, and I took some friends with me, and so, we you know, we had our pentagrams, and our, I was a cross-dresser um, a lot of the time, I had lots of makeup on my face, and black leather, and fishnets, and no, not the kind you fish with up here in Northern California, the kind you bought at Hot Topic back in the day, and um, you know so i i ended up having a radical encounter with jesus at this festival as i was trying to convert christians to the devil and uh so it didn't work out too well for me we'll just put it that way god had something up his sleeve and it was because i i I eventually during the festival i ended up challenging god and that was then it was all over and (laughs) i can remember when i I shared the whole story up at mountain of mercy and by the way lynn thank you so much for all your hard work and hosting us and receiving us in the region and connecting us with other people you guys are just doing an amazing job up there and um but you know during the encounter i can remember because like i said in my childhood i was fairly scared of god as well as the devil and so for me uh, when I first encountered the presence of Jesus and my body began shaking, I collapsed to the ground. My first thought was God is real. My second thought was and he's killing me. And my third thought was and I deserve it, <laughs> you know, like because that was just what I thought I deserved. God's going to kill me and I deserve it. Look what I've done. I've blasphemed him. I've turned people against him, you know, and um, but he wasn't killing me. He was um, making me a new creation, apparently, is what was happening there. And... Uh, <laughs> And I remember like, I hated the name Jesus up to that point, but the name Jesus just fired out of my mouth like a speeding bullet. I'm just screaming the name of Jesus, and I'm confessing all this sin. God, take all this. Take that. Take the other thing. I don't want any of it. I just want to know you, and I'm just crying and bawling, and all my Satanist friends are staring at me like, what are you doing, you know, and because uh, it didn't happen to them. It only happened to me at that, at that point, you know, so everybody was all freaked out, and um, so after I got, like, radically saved, hey, come on, those who are radically saved, save radically. Come on, you know what I'm saying? That's all of you. Come on. Jesus radically did what he did for all of you 2,000 years ago. Amen. So um, anyway, he gave you the excuse to go radically save and seek the lost and reconcile. And oh, I love it. I love this ministry of reconciliation. Um, so I got plugged into this, What I guess it was called a full gospel church. And, and I, God bless them. I love them but everything and its mother was demon. Demons, 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 demons. everything. Now, I knew all about demons (laughs) because of my past, and so I actually, I didn't have to struggle to see demons in or on anyone or around anything because I could just see them naturally. And I think during the time that I was practicing all that, deep down, I kind of knew that they were like familiar spirits and stuff. I just had... Like, I never, I don't know, I never bought into the thing that they were just neutral spirits. I could always feel that they were either demonic or light, and like one or the other. I just always could feel that. And so everything was just demons, you know, and demons are getting cast out. And because I'm the ex-Satanist, everybody's like, Rob, you know, come over here. We got a demon on aisle two. <laughs> Robert dosty on aisle two. There's a demon manifesting. Come cast it out, you know. And I didn't want to, like, only focus on demons anymore because I had just focused on demons for so many years. And, you know, and and so it was okay. But as time went on, the Lord began to give me a revelation of sonship. And, you know, Romans chapter 8, it says that we receive a spirit um, of sonship, which adoption really is the Greek word, it's sonship, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And so... I begin to get a revelation of that and what it's like to not just be a Christian to go after the devil, but to actually know what it is to, to have God as my father and me as like just a son, a child, and have that relationship. And it began to shift um, the way that my, I looked at Christianity. But one of the things that I noticed, and, and it's one of the reasons that I wrote this book, is that a lot of people... There's a there's like a cycle and the enemy would love us to get stuck in this cycle. And they get let's say they get saved out of worldly bondage and then their butts get stuck in a pew and they get in religious bondage. And then they get tired of the religious bondage after a while and they and so they start running back to the worldly bondage. And it's like back and forth, back and forth. You know, you got kids and and, and you'll say you ask people for prayer. And you're like, they just got, like, one foot in and one foot out, and they're, like, back and forth, and I don't know why. Because they haven't encountered true freedom yet. That's why. And it's only in Jesus. But they're looking at us. People are, you know, people are looking. Everyone is searching. Jesus said in the book of John, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Therefore, you can assume safely that everyone you meet on this planet is being drawn to Jesus one way or the other. Amen. And... But when they meet me, when they meet you, I want them to actually encounter real life. I don't want them to see someone who's striving and doesn't feel good enough for God and who's worried that God's going to punish them and who's worried that, you know, all this stuff. But I also don't want them to be tempted to go back into worldly bondage, you know. I want there to be – I want to see, like Jesus said, abide in me and I abide in you. Like narrow is the way. Why? Because there's two mighty ditches on both sides that the devil wants you to slip into, that's why. And I'm going to talk about those here in just a minute. But so what I've seen is, I've seen religion, but then I've seen rebellion. And then I've seen religious rebellion. I've seen legalism, but I also see lawlessness. And both of these things masquerade as holiness. That's the kicker, self-righteousness, you know, look, look how I've earned my way to God. Look, how, Like, I grew up in that. But then there's this other extreme. Well, God just loves me. Everyone's his children. Only God can judge me. Jesus already paid for my sin, so I'm just going to live like the devil and live like hell, you know. And it's okay. No, it's really not. You're actually going to destroy yourself if you do that. So what I want to see is I want to see people abiding in Jesus so full of joy so full of life, and they're not slipping in either one of these ditches because their eyes are just on him. And as your eyes are on him, as you behold him, you begin to see who you truly are called to be and how you truly are called to live on this earth. Amen? And so what, I'll give you an example. So, and I didn't share this up at Mountain of Mercy, so this is kind of a little bit of an extension of what happened after I got saved. I was, I was on, fire for Jesus, man, and I still am. I was so zealous. I would get kicked out of restaurants everywhere I went. I would get kicked off anything because I would just preach so I was blue in the face. I couldn't even hold a job. Could be because of ADD. Could be because I was just preaching too much. I don't know, but uh, I, I could not hold a job. I would just preach at all of my, my bosses. I would, you know, and people were so, like, they would get so uh, stirred up because they didn't know how to, <laughs> how to respond. That, you know, they would go for like a cigarette break or for like a, some of them would go shoot up in the bathroom at, at, the, at the job and I'd be praying for them and I'd be like, can I go, can I go on a scripture break, please? Can I go read some script? I'd keep a little Bible in my back pocket and they'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, if you can go smoke a cigarette for five minutes, I can go read Proverbs 1 and 2. For five minutes uh, and so i would like i would like challenge them you know what i mean and so hey listen i feel the glory on that right now some of you like you're used to going and having a cigarette break replace it with a scripture break and let's start seeing what happens amen there's some there's a word of wisdom for you but anyway like they were so worked up and uh and i started to get frustrated you know and i was just like these <laughs> people are just full of devils <laughs> you know like and, and it got to the point where, like, I literally, like, all I could see on people was was <laughs> demons, you know. And one day, I got so wrapped up, and, and I was just like, Am I, I'm not praying enough. If I prayed more, like, more demons would come out. And it became this performance thing for me. And, you know, a lot of times in our Christian walk, we don't realize that what's happening is we are participating in this beautiful, unbroken fellowship between the Father and the Son and the Spirit, and Jesus is sharing his life with us, but we feel like this is a belief system that I must uphold and prove and, you know, maintain and do everything the right way, but it's not about our performance, right? Like, your behavior will shift as you abide in Jesus, for sure, 100%. Um, But it became so performance-oriented for me that I burned out, and I didn't, I was just like... (laughs) I don't even know if I want to be called to ministry anymore. I'm just tired. And so the Lord got me alone. He actually brought us to Alaska, and uh, that was totally a surprise. And we ended up in Alaska with no ticket home. <laughs> so we had one child at the time. Uh, we were in this little hunter's cabin in Wasilla, right across from Sarah Palin's house on Lake on that lake. And the Lord began to just visit me, and it was like a week and he refreshed me so much, but he began to speak things into me and say, you know, you don't need to perform. Like, I, I'm going to love you the same if you preach to 10,000 or one, if you pray for 10 hours or one. Like, your performance is not going to shift the way that I feel about you. And that really changed me and it, it, it helped me, you know, because I didn't, I didn't know that. I just thought, like, I got to go be the best, do the best, do, do more for God than everybody else, and I burn out, you know. And... Um, but I'll never forget it. When he released me back into ministry, this is what he said. He said, now I want you to line people up. When you pray for people, stop looking for the devil and start looking for Jesus to be revealed in those people. And I was like, oh, wow, I never thought about that. <laughs> so he began to shift the way that I would do things, and it, would, it brought me so much joy because instead of looking for the devil behind every trust me, if you, you're abiding in Jesus – And there's a devil behind the bush that you're by. The devil is going to make itself known, and you're going to take care of it because you have authority. But it was a whole different thing. And so I would go pray for people, and I would look for Jesus to be revealed instead of, like, how many demons do they have? And, like, how can I get them all cast out? I would just say, Jesus, reveal yourself in this person. You know, Paul says in Galatians 1, 15 and 16, God was pleased to reveal his son in me that I might declare him as glad tidings among the nations. Somebody say, in. N- nobody's doing it. In. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. One lady did it. Oh, there we go. Thank you. One lady. The women are always the first, and the men are like, I don't know. I might look stupid. <laughs> you already? No, I'm just kidding. You don't. Um, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But so there was this whole revelation that I got, and I'm like, wow, I'm not preaching the gospel To just see sin revealed in people and devils. I'm preaching to see Jesus revealed in people. Sin is already revealed. All the stuff's already revealed in humanity. I want to see Jesus Christ make himself known in this person. Bear witness with their spirit, right? That they're children of God have the right to like have that experience. What we call the born again experience. And so um, I began to, to train people and just say, okay, there's like these two massive ditches. And, you know, God, it says in 2 Corinthians 7 1, this is right now one of my absolute favorite scriptures. And here's what it says Because we have his promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the awe of God. Like, the, I'm going to tell you, there's two types of awe. It's either going to be awe or awe. You know what I mean? Like, let's say you follow your favorite preacher and all your hope is in them and then they fall into sin or something. It's like, ah. But if we stay in awe of God, nothing's going to get in there and like cause us to slip into these ditches. It starts with disappointment. It starts with, you know, embarrassment. It starts with religious works or whatever. So you guys remember when Jesus said, I have shown you numerous works from my Father in heaven. Which of them are you going to stone me for? These are living works. These are things that are alive that are bringing people life. He's not talking about dead works. That's a whole different thing. And that's all through Scripture. So there's dead works, which is like trying to earn your way. And listen, you can, you can recognize indoctrination very easily. Anybody that's trying to earn earn something that can only freely be given, That's indo- there's indoctrination. There's a religious, there's dead religion. Do you get what I'm saying? So if, if we get caught in this rut where we are trying to earn something that can only freely be given or buy something or, you know, attain something that can, in our own power, that can only freely be given, it's dead religion. And, and that's exactly what the enemy started in the Garden of Eden. He went to Adam and Eve and he said, hey, you want to be just like God? Do this. They were already just like God, number one. <laughs> number two, if they do that... They're going to access something that God was trying to protect them from, the knowledge of good and evil, but he packaged it in a way to make them feel like they were missing out. So they took it into their own hands. And here we are, and this is how we slip into this ditch called legalism. We earn it, we got to do all the right stuff, or do you do all the right stuff because of who he is and what he's done in you? Which way is it? Let me give you an example. When we go out and we preach to the lost, is it, hey, here's all the things you got to do, and God will love you back. Is that the gospel? Or is it we love him because he first loved us? So, I, so when you encounter him, essentially you're responding to the fact that he's already loved you with an everlasting love, and you're just tapping into that right now. You're just, you're just tasting of that maybe right now for the first time, right? But then over here, the, the other ditch, is called legal, it's called lawlessness, <laughs> And I I see this so much. You know, in Hebrews it says, um, oh my gosh, it says a lot in Hebrews, but there's a couple specific verses that talks about insulting the spirit of grace and spitting on the sacrifice. And there's no more sacrifice left if we know what he's done for us and as us and then go live like we don't care, right? Or go live like, well, he paid it all, so, you know, whatever. It's actually a really serious offense against your own, you know, relationship with God. I mean, why would we want to do something like that? And so um, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. There's fullness of joy. So we can expect then that these things would give us a type of sense of false joy or temporary joy, but it's only abiding in him that we are going to really have, you know, fullness of joy and fruit that remains. Jesus is after fruit that Remains, you know. Oh my goodness! There's so many different places that I could go with this, and I know that I'm going to begin to to wrap it up. But I believe the church is in a reformation right now, around the world. And some people have their own idea of what that's going to look like, and other people think it's going to look the opposite of what other people think it's going to look like. But you know, when we've been, we've kind of been in like corporate revival-ish since like the early '90s and before. I mean, there's been moves of God everywhere, right? And when we have revival like this, I believe the end goal of it is reformation, so that things can be reformed to look like what it's supposed to look like in the first place. And I did a bunch of research uh, when I was writing this book. And let me give you a couple tidbits, and I know this is something we talked about yesterday uh, at dinner, and I just think it's going to really encourage you. Um, I love reading church history, you know, and, and early church fathers and writers and things like that, and in some of my research for the book, I, I found out and discovered that in the early church, like in the first century, I wanted to see how did people view these these disciples back then, like what, what did it offer to the world system at the time, right, and how many of you know that there's numerous verses that talk about how the gospel causes us to escape the corruption of the world, right? Like, it talks about this in Titus. And, you know, Titus 2, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us to deny ungodly lusts. And in Second Peter, it says he's caused us to participate in his, uh, in his divine nature so that we can escape the corruption. Or is it First Peter? Sorry. Uh, found in the world right so there's this essence of believing the gospel that causes us to escape corruption thank you lord let's tell all the politicians that glory to god okay but do you see what i'm saying here so in the what was the corruption in the first century half the world had been destroyed by plague and pestilence half the world jesus the the god the word incarnate comes right at this time right right in the midst of half the world being destroyed by plague and pestilence and the Roman Empire, you know, just bulldozing everything. And so when he began to preach, when John the Baptist began to release, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, today we tend to hear repent, black robes, blogging people, you know. No, it was actually a glorious message that was being preached. Because essentially, what was happening is they were saying, Stop going to the temple with your sacrifices, come dip in this water and put your trust in the Messiah because he's already here, and you can escape all the regulations and trying to do it all yourself and the corruption of all the government systems that are antichrist you can escape all of this. So then Jesus begins preaching it when John the Baptist's head's lopped off. He's the last of the Levitical priesthood, Jesus. And he's like, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word repent, I, I have this whole teaching on it. I have a whole chapter on it here. I was in Greece two years ago and I said, tell me what this is, metanoia, they said, well, first of all, it's metaneia. And I'm like, well, go tell every American preacher that because they're all saying it wrong, okay? They all say metanoia. and I, So they're saying, no, it's metaneia. Okay, meta is think, neia is after. So in Greek, in Greek it's actually a, a verb that, it, well, it can be. It's like, it's a word that says afterthought. So essentially, I said, well, what does it mean? What does that mean? And they said, it's like encountering something and rethinking everything you ever thought you knew about it and letting it shift everything inside you. You know, it's like... It's like, oh, glory, I feel a preacher coming on. So it's like encountering Jesus, beholding him, rethinking everything you ever thought you knew about God, and then letting it shift everything inside of you, letting your inner man be completely shifted according to that reality. And I said, man, this is glorious. Repent is a Latin word. That was carried over from the Latin Vulgate directly into the German, directly into our 15, whatever, 117, whatever translation it was. And it's repentance. It means to pay penance over and over again. That doesn't exactly sound like metanea in the Greek. But anyway, that's why I like to help people clarify because I do love the King James Version. It's just, uh, it's really good to dig in there and see, okay, what exactly do these words mean? There's a couple of them that were carried directly over from the Latin. One of them is repentance, another one's religion, which is a re. Word just like repentance, and in the Latin it's religiare. Which, si alguien aquí que habla en español, ustedes saben que hay un ver- okay, nobody speaks Spanish. All right, so in Spanish there is a verb, ligar, it means to bind up. Well, in Latin it's the same thing, it's ligare, re religiare, to bind up over and over again. That is our English word, religion. But there are four Greek words for religion in the New Testament, but it translates it religion for every single one in our Bible. So uh, what does that mean? That means let's dig in and let's get God's heart. And it makes me excited. Amen. So what we ended up with was this religious system where we go pay penance And I don't think that was God's heart behind the whole deal. I think he wanted to know us. I think he wanted to live in us and give us his laws and know us personally, like write his laws on our hearts. And so... What happens is we're in Reformation. It starts in 1517. Martin Luther nails the theses to the door, and he's like, why are you making people go pay to have their sins forgiven? And why are you doing this? And why are you doing that? Now, whether you agree with everything he said or not, listen, Reformation is more messy than revival will ever be, okay? And so the Reformation that we're in right now is that God is calling his church back to holiness, and he wants us to know him so personally he doesn't want us in either one of these ditches, and we've been floundering around. Maybe you got one foot in the legalism ditch and one foot in the lawlessness ditch and one foot in the religion ditch and one foot in the rebellion ditch and maybe you're just religiously rebellious. Or maybe we're religious about not being religious. How about that? I got people <laughs> sometimes people come to me and they say, Brother, why are you wearing a suit jacket? You should be free in Christ. But what if I want to wear a suit jacket? Stop being religious about not being religious. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we can just get ourselves in so many ditches and just go around mountains over and over and over, right? And God just wants us to know him so personally that we just ooze Jesus everywhere we go. That we, you know what I mean? That we're just his hands and his feet. And so we're in a reformation right now, and the gospel has not lost its power. It is the power of God unto salvation. And, and, but if we look at how they received it in the first century, when the gospel was preached, believe in the Lord Jesus. In him, there is forgiveness of sins. In him, there is freedom. In him, you, know, you live and move and have your being. He is the only name under heaven by which man can be saved. When, in the first century, do you, know what, do you know what happened when they would believe on Jesus? They would escape the corruption of the world. They were no longer bound to this performance ritual thing, but they were also no longer bound to the fall of Adam because the last Adam is so much greater. Uh, What he's done is so much greater than the pickle the first Adam got us into in the first place. You know what I'm saying? And so so I want you guys to think about this. If we go back all the way back to the beginning, all the way back, let's go all the way, all the way, all the way back, right? Genesis 1-1, no. John 1-1 in the beginning was the word now before in the beginning god created was in the beginning was the word so john 1 1 is our genesis as believers it's you get what i'm saying like so everything we see and do is through the frame of our genesis which is the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god no pre keep your out where boom we could go into the latin and we could do whatever we could sound all academic in the beginning was the word. So the word, the logos. In Greek, it's logos. The logo, it's where we get our word logic and where we get our word logo. So if something has a logo, what is it? It shows you the expression of everything that business offers. Jesus is the logo of God. And you all are little walking billboards just like the logo, (laughs) you get what I'm saying? And calling people back to God's heart and saying escape the corruption found in the world. Escape, let me tell you something, the religious system is part of the corruption in the world. Escape the corruption found in the world. Escape dead religion, escape legalism, escape addiction, I'm an addict. I'm addicted to his glory, and that's about it right there. Who can say on a Sunday morning, I'm an addict? I'm addicted to his glory. I'm addicted to his presence. I'm addicted to Jesus. Come on. So do you know what the early church was known as? In AD 70, there was this big destruction of Jerusalem, and the people that listened to the doom prophet Jesus Christ for Israel, basically. You know what happened? They all fled to the mountains, and they started this brand new creation community uh, just singing psalms and hymns to one another and encouraging each other in the Lord and baptizing each other and serving each other and washing each other's feet. And they were known, if you read early Christian literature, they were known as the bright ones, the happy people. You don't say happy. Yeah, because they escaped the corruption found in the world. And now we've got lawlessness that masquerades as holiness. I've got people I love and they're just preaching some of the biggest bunk in the world and I love them so much. But they're like, yeah, because of what Jesus did, go sleep around till you find your wife. And I'm like, dude, really? Yeah, pastors are saying these things. And I'm like, no, you're you're leading people right into lawlessness. And they're gonna destroy themselves. But then also over here, it's like, it's the opposite extreme. Let's all work our way to God, and it's all performance-based, and it's all rituals, and it's all traditions, and there's no living relationship, you know what I'm saying? But here, the gospel of Jesus Christ is our one and only way to escape the corruption in the world. Whether it's on this side of the fence or that side of the fence, we are free to be who we really are in Christ. And, you know, that night that I experienced Jesus as a devil worshiper, I had a a vision. I'm going to wrap it up with this. You know, I'd had visions before. I was used to the spirit and, like, spiritual stuff, the spirit realm. And um, this is wild. One of the reasons that I knew this was different from any other encounter I had outside of the name that I screamed the name Jesus, which I could never say the name Jesus because I hated it, was that it far exceeded any spiritual experience I ever had in my life like no other spiritual experience i had made me tremble and think i was going to die this was the fear of god you know this was the the presence of almighty god but if i think back i remember seeing myself pure and spotless and not not living like i was i saw myself and i was casting out demons <laughs> i was like who is that and then I, and it took me some years, but years down the road, I realized God was trying to show me who I am in Jesus, who he's called me to be, who he's created me to be, to live pure and to live holy and not be, you know, caught in all of these ruts. And every one of you who you truly are in Christ is just like that. That's who you're called to be. That's who, that's what he died. That's the life he died for you to live. You're not an addict in Christ. You're, you're not, you're not, a, you're not a, an adulterer in Christ. You're not a thief in Christ, but only in Christ is this the reality for any any man or woman, right? Because outside of Christ, we're all thieves, we're all murderers, we're all jacked, right? But I just had this um, this verse come to me, and I, I want to end with it, and I want to double-check and make sure that I got it right. And I did, Colossians 3.3, 3, and it says this, You died, like Millie said, that day... She knew she died when those drugs showed up not in her system. And the doctors were like, what? This is impossible. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Oh, my goodness. And when Christ, who is your life, hold on, what? He is your life. Jesus is our life on this earth now. It's no longer us that live. It's him that lives in us. Galatians 2.20, say, I'm hammered. Yeah, that's right. You've been crucified. <laughs> You've been that caught you off guard, didn't it? You've been crucified with Christ. You no longer live. It's Him living through you. And I'm telling you something right now. The real you that's hidden away in him, when that comes out to play, it's just Jesus living through you. And it's going to set the captives free. Telling you right now, this is not some legalistic mumbo jumbo. Here's all the rules you got to follow. And here's everything you got to do to make, you know, no, no. But it's also not, here, just destroy yourself. Do whatever you want. No, he has better than that and he has better than that. Let's abide in him. Let him live through us. And you can say, yes, I am happy and I am holy. Can you imagine that? Not because of what I've done, but he said, be holy as I am holy. He would not command that if he didn't provide your holiness so that you could walk in it. First Corinthians 1.30 says it's Jesus. He is our holiness. He is our redemption, right? He is our wisdom. It's all him. It's all him. So Jesus, right now, thank you. Thank you that our true life is hidden in you and that if we have not experienced that yet, it's happening right now. Father, I thank you that you are living through us. And if somebody is still saying, oh my gosh, I'm in one of these ditches, I'm in this ditch, I'm in that ditch, Lord, we ditch the ditch in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you right now for that encounter with Jesus. I thank you that they are born from above. You said in First 1 Peter 1, 1.3, I bore you in my own body on the cross, and now... We get to be born again into that reality. We get to step into relationship with you. We get to receive the Holy Spirit. And Father, I thank you for freedom right now. We take authority over every power of the enemy. Come on, we take authority over depression. We take authority over mental illness. We take authority right now over every demonic lie that has influenced your family. In Jesus' mighty name, does anybody in here play the trumpet? Does anyone in here play the trumpet? Rodney plays the trumpet. Who else plays the trumpet? You used to play the trumpet. I just saw a trumpet, and I heard God say, ask for who plays a trumpet. So, okay, what's your name? Sarah, and Rodney also plays the trumpet, right? That is wild. Okay, well, I've got a word here. And I, I, I hear the Lord saying that he's raising up the trumpet sound out of this, out of small town, North, Northern California. He's going to, he's going to release a trumpet blast and it's going to draw so many to himself. It's going to reveal his real heart and it's going to, it, I'm telling you, you're in a, you've got an evangelism thing on you. I don't care how bold you think you're not bold or are bold or whatever. I don't care what you think. I see evangelist, I see a fire, a bold on you and and rodney's gonna come in i I got a word for rodney too he's gonna come into a a uh there's like a ventricle of god's heart that that is now open to him and he's gonna go right into there and 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 he's gonna he's gonna like um i don't even know how to say it but i just see him uh like like the heart of God and Rodney in this part of God's heart he's never been in before. It's just going to explode through him. And it's going to be like a trumpet sound throughout this region but beyond this region though too. But I'm telling you guys, Eureka and you know, Arcata and all of the, like it doesn't take a rocket sign. I don't even think you need the gift of discernment to drive through that place and feel the, 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 the heaviness. You know what I'm saying? But there's a reason that this was part of the epicenter of the Jesus people movement. There's a reason, you know what I'm saying, that God has targeted this region before. And I, I hear the Lord saying, you, you thought that was it? You thought that was it? You thought I was just going to plant a piddly seed that failed and like, like that didn't really go anywhere and that was it? Oh, no, no. That was just the very beginning. I hear the Lord saying, that was just the very beginning. You wait and you watch and you water Wow, I heard the Lord say, don't just water the seeds around you, water yourself in this region. Focus on growing, not toward me, but out of me. I am the vine, you are the branches, I am your roots. Focus on growing out of me and watch how I will shift this region In the spirit, I see a lot of shapeshifters and psychics and stuff in this region. And I heard the Lord say, watch how I shift the shape of the shapeshifters. I heard the Lord say, watch how I shift the shape of the shapeshifters. That's a tongue twister right there. God is good at tongue twisters. Thank you, God. Oh, let your fire come right now. Let your fire come right now. Let your fire come right now. And and, I, and the last thing that I that I whoa yeah just stay right there stay right there with Jesus, don't look at me. But here's the last thing that I'm seeing, is a lot of you I see you I see you learning to ice skate. I don't know if ice skating's even here, but I see you learning to ice skate. And 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 a lot of people they'll rollerblade, they'll do this, they'll do that. But ice skating, they're scared to ice skate because they're like they're afraid they're gonna break their ankles, they're gonna fall on their head. A lot easier than other things. But I see the Lord saying, I have called you uh, to uh, master a little bit more of a difficult thing here in this region, but I'm going to teach you to ice skate. You will not break your ankle. You will not fall on your head, but take my hand. I hear the Lord saying, take my hand, and you will lead the way. You will lead the way, and where there used to be great blows dealt by the enemy into the church you will rise up without even knowing previously how to skate this way you will rise up and you will not fall and you will lead many into victory whoa thank you lord thank you lord yes god yes god yes god yes god God. I hear a sovereign wake-up call in this region. And the Lord is saying, come and listen to the sound of awakening. Come and listen to the sound. And I hear the cry of the church saying, Lord, how come you always overlook this region? Like, we're happy. We love the people here. We love our families. But how come you don't, like, do a whole lot in this region like you do corporately in other regions? And I hear the Lord saying, because you're the ones that will lead people to victory. You're the ones that I'm raising up. And the first thing that has to go is fear. The first thing that has to go is fear. Because if the believers of this region seep down into SoCal, it's all over for SoCal. They're going to be in revival. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this is a birthing area for the whole state. Mm -hmm. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Billy, do you have any words?
2: Yeah, I actually saw, oh, sorry. I actually saw, um, I saw this rag being, I saw, I saw like this rag and this bucket <laughs> being wrung out, and I. Th- th- it, what I instantly thought of was a cleaning business. And when I saw that, I saw gold coins falling on it. Uh, And I thought, wow, okay, God, you're going to prosper a cleaning business. And then I actually heard him say that he's going to take businesses that are already in the region and he's going to prosper them and they're going to be cleaning out the the demonic things that are in the region. That God's going to start using kingdom businesses, turning them into kingdom businesses. And it's not just a cleaning business. It's all kinds of businesses that are actually going to be like a cleansing ministry that will come through and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's going to prosper them. So I saw gold coins and so So if you're a business person or you've been praying for a business, I'm just gonna speak that over you right now. You could just raise your hands if you're believing for God to touch your business or God to give you a business. He was going to prosper that business and he's going to turn it into a ministry of his goodness and that he's going to provide everything you need through it. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, that you are providing business opportunities and ideas and the businesses that are ready in this family, in in this church family. And God, that you're going to use it as a ministry opportunity and that you're going to thrive and prosper the businesses here and that you're going to pour out prosperity and create even job opportunities in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Come on. Does anybody actually have a cleaning business in here? I'm curious. Like, hey, come on. There's one. It's turning into spiritual house cleaning. (laughs) Like, there's two sides to the cleaning business. You want to hear something really crazy? I was here six months ago in a dream. I'm not making this up. I had a dream, and I was... I was standing over here, I remember in the dream, it was this exact building with these exact people. I didn't know you six months ago. But even outside, though, I, there was like a dirt road on one side, I think, in the dream. Is there a dirt road anywhere around here, like a, a more rocky road over here? I remember this in the dream. This is exactly where I was in my dream. And I'm just kind of freaking out right now because I don't know that that's ever really happened before. Uh, uh, wow. Okay so Jesus thank you for that confirmation and I remember okay I'm trying to remember what the details of the dream were I just I remember seeing people just like you but specifically in the dream if I remember correctly there was a predator outside the building in a in a via, in a jeep or a vehicle of sorts and we were in here just worshiping Jesus and he could not get in and so I think this is this is there's, there's no mistake uh, about this day. Whoa! thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that at no thieves or robbers will get in to the pure thing that you are doing in this place. The pure thing that you are doing in this place. Pastors, we declare it over you. In Jesus' name, no thieves, no robbers will get in and infiltrate the purity of what God is doing in this place. In this place. In Jesus' name. Okay, let's do it. I was going to say, I'll give it back to you if there's anything you want to say or do, and then we'll, we'll just say, Holy Spirit, come, and we'll lay hands on you, whatever you need. So if you don't, if, you, if what I'm talking about is like you are just cray-cray, you think I'm cray-cray, then at least come up and let me pray for you if you think I'm cray-cray. Um, but we'd love to pray for you guys. So if you don't know Jesus or you're just like, I've never given this a shot before, now's the time to do it. I- this is not about condemning you and, like, how is God going to convict me like a criminal or something. He's going to convince you of his love and of what he's really done for you. And that's really where the conviction is at. Like, yes, we've all been messed up but he died our death and so we can live his life right here on the earth and live in fellowship with him. And then on the side of that, too, anybody that needs healing or any, you just want to touch from God, not from us, but from him, then please come up, and this is open right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for just receiving these ones and touching them powerfully in Jesus' name. Uh, does anyone have uh, an issue with an organ that's right in here, like in a gallbladder or a sp- Something right in the middle, like digestive or stomach. Okay, what is it? Stomach cancer. Here we are, and that's like right here. Okay, so Father, in Jesus' name, I break the power of stomach cancer over her, and I command every rebellious cell in her body to bow the knee to Jesus now. Power, in Jesus' name. We break the power of that cancer right now. Lord, I thank you that cancer's bowing the knee to Jesus right now right now lord even a new stomach thank you father even for a new stomach in jesus mighty name new stomach lining lord let it be refreshed and renewed in the mighty name of jesus in the mighty name of jesus why wow, i feel the fire on her right now fire just burn it out of your body let the fire of god just burn it out of your body in jesus mighty name Yeah, 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 yeah. Keep that going. That's good. That's good. That's good. Would everybody just say, "Jesus, reveal yourself to me." Jesus, reveal yourself in me, right now. Yes. Come on, just get with Him. Just you and Him right now.
2: I just want to say, if you came here and you maybe have never heard a message like we have preached today about our stories, and you're maybe not used to what we are talking about, maybe you've heard things like this and you're just skeptical or uh, a lot of times what I hear is that people come to church and they want to experience God but they don't want to change. They say why should I have to change Because uh, with an all-loving God, doesn't he just love me how I am? And I have to say, he does love you. He died for you as you are so that you don't have to stay where you are. And that you don't have to change, but you have to completely die. And you know that you can't do that in your own power. So you don't actually have to die. He died for you. And so what you get to do now is that you don't have to worry about do I change and how much of myself do I have to change and how much of myself has to die. But you can receive his death, burial, and resurrection right now and so i just encourage you in first corinthians 15 22 it says that we get to receive his new life we get to become a new creation in him And in Romans 8, it says, how do we know the sons of God? The sons of God are those who obey him. And that happens not out of our own striving works, but that happens because we receive his life. We're not even capable of obeying him and following him if we don't receive his life. And so right now, I just want to encourage you that if you're sitting there thinking, how much of me do I have to change? How much of me? And I shouldn't have to change and all this. You're right. It has nothing to do with change. It has to do everything to do with a completely new life. So I just want to encourage you, if you just are just hanging out and you're unsure, come up and let us pray for you. Ask us questions. We're open. We really want to talk to you. Real, genuine, heartfelt conversation so that we can talk about what a new life looks like, not what an effort uh, in a direction of change looks like, but what an entirely new life through Jesus Christ looks like. He did it so that you wouldn't have to. He did it so that you wouldn't have to change a percentage of yourself or live feeling like you're not good enough. I told you that the day that I overdosed on medication, I died that day and I knew that I was raised in a new life I have a whole new life I don't even see myself as the old person anymore but God can do for you today what he did for us and so I just want to invite you up here we want to pray for you You don't even have to come right at this moment. Just mosey on down after I hand off the mic. We love you and we want to see you free and walking in new creation reality. You do not have to walk out today struggling with pornography. You do not have to walk out today struggling with mental illness, believing you're crazy, believing you're worthless, or thinking you have to end your life or anything like that. In, In any way that you're suffering, you can come up here. We will pray for you and stand with you for your healing and the new creation reality to overtake you.
0: Oh, you guys come forward if you want to leave an offering leave an offering we're just so thankful for the just the way that these two have just poured into us so whew. and we got food down the hall too for later but it'll be a little bit so come on down don't be shy this is a place of freedom there's no room for dignity in the church <laughs> Thank you. Thank